What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Josh Coker here, aka Josh Miss Prime, coming at you with another episode from Polymathics, the channel that helps you become a modern day Renaissance man and or woman. And in this episode, we're going to discuss time management and the importance of it and how to stack things so that you can optimize your time. Without further ado, let's get right into it. All right, so it's like 5.30 in the morning, and I'm outside walking my dog. You might hear some bugs or the dog leash. It's, uh, it's so early, it's still dark outside, which is not a usual time that I wake up. And that's why we're talking about time management this morning wasn't necessarily intended, but I figured because I'm in a situation right now, particularly right this second today, where time management was applicable, that, that will, that's what we should talk about. So... This morning, I didn't plan on waking up around 5 or 4.50 or whatever. But for whatever reason, I did. And it doesn't happen very often. But when it does, uh, over the course of my three, almost four decades on the planet Earth, I've learned that the best way I operate is to lay down for the next 30 minutes or so and if I can't go to sleep after that then I'm probably not going to fall asleep so it's best to just get up and start doing things so that I get something accomplished in those hours where I'm awake and it's it's not quite time for my normal day to happen and yes, a lot of times when I do this, I get tired, sometimes midday, sometimes just an hour in, and I'll play it by ear. This happened uh, maybe a month ago, and I remember I woke up, I think I did some writing for the first little bit, and then... I started to feel tired again, realized I still had several hours before I had to be anywhere for appointments or anything like that. So I went back to bed for an, another hour or two and kind of got the sleep that I was missing. The other thing, I, over the years, have had, especially this last year or so, have had Fitbits and tracked my sleep. Hold on, there's a car pulling out, and so my dog's kind of freaked out. They're playing music. Come on, Ginger. So I track my sleep as well, and what I found is that although I may get more or less sleep on any given night, on an average, I get about 
seven hours of sleep consistently. And again, those numbers wax and wane depending on the time of year, but it usually doesn't go more, much more than seven and a half hours. And it usually doesn't go much less than six and a half hours. It really does stay in that sweet spot of about seven hours. And that's just naturally. I don't usually wake up with alarms or anything, although my wife does. But even those, I'm usually able to go back to sleep if, if that's uh, really what I want to do. So, um, so yeah. I, because I know that, I don't freak out too much because I've tracked my sleep. I know that I get pretty decent amount of sleep. Another thing I realize is that most of the time when I work out, 95% of the time when I work out, I get really good deep sleep. And that may actually be why I'm up so early because I took it kind of easy this weekend because last week I had some pretty intense lifts and um, I'm ramping up for a, come on, Ginger. I'm ramping up for a uh, a month of, well, a month or a month of a month and a half of metabolic focus, meaning that I'm gonna try to focus on body fat loss versus just strength. And whenever I do that, um, the exercises, I don't want to say they're less intense, but I don't, I don't lift it with as much weight. And I usually do two a days and more calisthenic or full body type workouts. Anyways, I know topics are kind of going here and there, but I promise you we're focusing on time management. So here I am, I'm walking the dog. We actually only got her last night, and she's a rescue. She is very, very cute and also well-behaved, and I'm thinking this is going to be a really good match for us, but uh, I want her to get used to the neighborhood. And so in terms of time management, that was one of the things is because I woke up early, and I know the dog is still not familiar with the neighborhood or the house. I figured I'd take her around. This is gonna do a couple things. Not only does it help her get accustomed to the neighborhood and feel more comfortable in the house, but it also gets me to walk around, get a little bit of morning cardio, which is something I don't do nearly as much as I should. Also, uh, gives me an opportunity to do a podcast as you can see right here <laughs> and one of the reasons I was excited about doing podcasts in the first place is because um, before I started the YouTube channel and really got into that I and, and because I wrote so much I would do a lot of walk and talks at least that's what I would call them where I would just walk and talk about not just stories I was writing or ideas that I had, but any random thing that came in my mind. Sometimes my brother and I, we would have a phone conversation and, uh, you know, just walk and talk for hours. So 
<clears throat> this idea, though, of maximizing your time for the most efficient use possible has always been one of the top things on my list. And so here I am, can't, can't sleep, um, new dog, familiarizing the dog, and getting some morning cardio, and doing a podcast, and sorting out my thoughts for the rest of the day. I don't think there's a much more efficient use of time than that. And again, I didn't, I didn't always think this way. I wasn't necessarily born into this. It took many years of me figuring out what works best for me, and that's another thing. So for some other people, it may not be these specific things, but the, I think the, the key takeaway from this episode is going to be figure out what works for you when it comes to time management and come up with a plan for come up with um, like contingency plans for days like today where you, you, you're caught off guard because either you woke up early or something goes differently than you expected. Maybe sometimes you get more time on your hands than you thought. Maybe sometimes you get less. I know back when I lived up north in Maryland, <clears throat> I was a government contractor and also in the military. Um, if the weather was bad, particularly a snow day or something, you'd get the whole day off and you'd have to find something to do. And you couldn't really go outside. So that's the perfect setup for a writer or any kind of artist, or I would even say entrepreneur nowadays because a lot of entrepreneurs maybe even if you are more of a face-to-face -face person and that's what you do, you probably still have a website. You probably still have numbers that you have to go over, metrics. So what better time to do it than on a day where you can't drive or something like that? There's always something. And it's going to be different for everybody because everybody lives in different areas. Everybody has different schedules. So again, figure out what works for you. And this is... Um, very important. Come on, Ginger. This is also very important for writers. As a writer and, it, and a publisher, um, you have to have really good time management skills. You have to kind of come up again with your own little system because yours is going to be different from someone else's and someone else is going to be different from another person's. It's never quite the same thing. Come on, Ginger. Um, I remember in the beginning when I started writing, we're walking by this uh, air conditioner, so you might hear that. Okay, it just turned on. I remember when I started writing. Come on, Ginger. Um, years and years ago. Well, actually, I started writing when I was a little kid. But when I started to write professionally, or at least try to write professionally, I was still under this mindset. Come on, Ginger. Of 
Mm. You have to sit down every day at the same time and just write for, you know, several hours. And no matter what time of day it was, um, <laughs> you would be able to write no matter what the situations. And while that does work for some people, and I'm not trying to down that, that's actually a, a really... <laughs> In some ways, I still prescribe to that method, but in other ways, it's not always realistic for people who have different kinds of uh, schedules or sporadic schedules. I was actually, at that time, in the military, working all different kinds of shifts. Sometimes they were days, sometimes they were swings, sometimes they were mids. And so it was very hard to stick to a scheduled writing when work would call me um, in to do things on, at odd hours and my, my shift would change a lot. And so those were some of the first writing struggles that I had was just trying to find a time that would work for me until I realized you don't need a specific time can write whenever you want and over the course of years I've discovered that not necessarily for all writers but for many especially if you're an aspiring writer who does have a day job that pulls you away from time to time the best the best approach is to be open willing and ready to write whenever you get a free moment and now that I've, and let me back up here, you know, in the beginning, I think you might stress about it a little too much because maybe you haven't finished any stories or books before. And because of that, it might stress you out even more anytime you don't write and maybe even cause some anxiety because you're thinking, man, I didn't write at all today. And by the way, for those of you who are listening who aren't writers, just imagine whatever your vocation is, you didn't spend time doing that. Whenever I say I didn't write or whatever, or discussing time management, I may use it in terms of writers for this conversation, but you could consider it. I mean, you could even look at it from the point of view of exercise or something. So just think of it like that. But a lot of people who are beginning in whatever vocation, maybe they're trying, and, and maybe it's not even vocation. Maybe it's like a new hobby you're picking up. Maybe you want to, you know, drop some weight or get, get stronger. You want to learn a new move um, physically, or maybe you want to prepare for a speech. It can be a lot of different things, but whatever the case is, you, um, you may feel a lot of anxiety if you haven't yet mm, ever accomplished one of those feats before. So I know for me, before I'd ever written and published a book, I had a lot of anxiety on the days that I didn't write because I knew it was something I wanted to do and I felt 
very anxious when I didn't. Because in my mind, I'm always thinking, I'm not going to live forever. Any day could be my last. And I want to get all of these ideas that I have out into the world. Another reason why YouTube and podcasting has become one of my staples is because it helps me helps me in that mission of getting my ideas out into the world. Fun fact, not necessarily related to our conversation. Come on, Ginger. Ginger. If um, those of you who are what I like to call um, the idea fairies, <laughs> which is people who have a lot of good ideas but don't, don't usually have time, energy to execute on them there's a new website or maybe it's not extremely new but it's new in the last decade at least called quirky quirky quirky.com and if you go on there you can submit ideas for different types of um, different types of patents or things like that and if your dot if if your idea gets selected come on ginger if your idea gets selected and a team decides to work on it then any any money that they make you get like a percentage of the cut you get about i think it's like five or ten percent of equity in whatever business that decides to do that with you. Come on, Ginger. Ginger. Come on. Come on. So for those of you who are just idea fairies, which my father is one of those, um, I think it's a really good idea. Because if if you come up with something original and and unique, then it gives you an opportunity to make some money off an idea that you would probably never mm, put the effort into or have the means to do. And when I say that, I mean, you know, a lot of us are already out here chasing certain goals, dreams, and aspirations, which doesn't leave time for like the secondary and tertiary goals, dreams, and aspirations, which might still have given uh, a different flow of income had we pursued those. A good idea, or not a good idea, a good example of this is recently, maybe a month or two ago, Joe Rogan interviewed Elon Musk, who, as many of you know, is a multi-billionaire tech inventor who everybody uh, labels as an entrepreneur But even Elon Musk himself on the interview basically said that he's pretty much more of an inventor and he has other people who help him with the business entrepreneurial aspect of his life. But that's besides the point. um, What I'm getting at is during the interview, you know, he owns Tesla, he co-founded PayPal, He's um, part of space 
technology companies that are trying to get manned missions to Mars. So he, he's already doing quite a few things. And he has some ideas and thoughts for a new type of plane. He's also working on underground uh, speed trains, I guess you would call them, or monorails. Hold on, we're walking by this like air conditioner again. So there's a lot of things he's got going on. And luckily for Elon and the rest of us, he has enough people at his disposal in his company that he can kind of assign this as a task. But for those who, for those of us who don't, that's what uh, the website that I was mentioning allows for. It allows for um, people who don't have enough time or money or effort to kind of pass the idea off to other people who believe in it enough to try to make it work. So there you go. He also had an idea for like a self-regulating air conditioner. I thought that was great too. Um, I think the, the hardest thing on those sites, because I'm sure hundreds of ideas, if not thousands of ideas, have already been submitted, is coming up with an idea that is unique and that is feasible for people to, to get together. And I think that's also the case with other similar type platforms like Kickstarter, where, you're, where it's more of a fundraising type of, of deal. But it's a story for another day. Another, going back to the main topic, which is time management, another thing that you can do aside from multitask. And let me, let me pause here before I go into the batching thing. Um, as I mentioned before, like I'm multitasking right now. In my mind, you know, I couldn't sleep, so I'm solving that problem by doing something productive. The dog's new, so I'm, I'm showing her around the neighborhood by walking her. I'm planning on um, dropping some body fat, so this kind of helps with that because I'm walking around early in the morning, getting some morning, morning cardio, probably some of the best type of morning cardio you can get. And I'm collecting my thoughts for the day as we're talking, not to mention I'm making some content for all of you. So that's what I would call multitasking. But the key to multitasking is having things that sort of build on each other that are not, that don't compete against one another for brain power or physical power. So for example, me walking the dog, that's a physical thing and it, I can kind of go on autopilot for the most part. Unless some car comes out of the blue or some very big distraction takes the dog off, off the uh, beaten path here, then <clears throat> I can kind of go on autopilot while I'm doing this and speak to you guys about these topics, which takes up mental energy. So I think the key to multitasking is to pick things, maybe one thing physical and one thing mental. Another good example of this that I do quite a bit is 
I'll listen to a book on tape or a podcast or something. I'll listen to something educational while I'm working out or while I'm driving because my physical body can kind of go into autopilot or doesn't need the mental reserves as much. So my mental body can then do that. And the benefit is it also distracts the physical body from realizing how much work it's doing. Therefore, time goes by quicker and it doesn't seem as um, tedious or boring. So that's another um, example of multitasking. The key is kind of matching something physical with something mental. If you try to match something physical with something physical or something mental with something mental, then what happens is you're, then you're multitasking in, in a sort of non-productive, non-effective way, which is <clears throat> you're, you're distracting yourself every so many minutes as you go from one thing to another. So to give you an example of that, a lot of times, myself included, not just other writers, but writers will sit down at their desk and start to work on something and then they get a notification or an email. And honestly, again, it doesn't even have to be writers. It could just be you at your job, whatever vocation you have. You're doing some sort of office work. You start on the project and then you start checking your emails or some notification comes through. You start scrolling through Facebook and before you know it, You've derailed yourself, and it takes a lot of mental energy to get back into the project you were working on. This is um, especially true for writing, and even more especially true for fiction writers, because it takes a good 15 minutes to get into the zone most days, and that's if you're having a good day. And so if you pull yourself out of that, then what happens is it's going to take you another 15 minutes to get back in the zone. Anytime you go and check an email, check Facebook, things like that. And that leads me to my next topic on time management, which is something that uh, I first came aware of in, let's see, 2012, I would say. 2011, 2012, I just left the military. And I bought a book called The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Many of you who listen to the podcast probably know who that is and are familiar with Tim Ferriss' works. He's written several New York Times bestsellers, including The 4-Hour Workweek. He's written The 4-Hour Body, The 4-Hour Chef, Tools of Titans, and the list goes on and on. But during that time period, back in 2012, he introduced me to a very interesting concept, which was batching. And batching is a way to sort of eliminate the negative aspect of multitasking, particularly those of us who have an issue with trying to multitask with, you know, from, from mental to mental or physical to physical, which was take your 
stuff, quote unquote, whatever your stuff might be, and categorize it into very similar types of tasks and then batch those tasks for certain times of the day or certain days of the week. So for example, email is a huge time killer for a lot of people, for a lot of organizations. They will, uh, a lot of employees up and down the line from the, you know, the lowliest employee, the janitor, all the way up to the CEO, um, will very often check their emails uh, throughout the day, which is a huge mismanagement of time and can lead to a lot of very uh, distracting moments during projects, which is what we were discussing earlier. A much more effective use of your time would be to batch emails and check them two or three times a day. That way you're not getting distracted and it takes almost as much time to check one or two emails periodically as it does to check about 20 or 30 emails in one big batch. So one of the ideas that Tim presents in his book is to Come on, Ginger. One of the ideas that Tim presents in his book is to batch emails. So you come in in the morning, you look at all the emails and tasks that you have from the day prior, or maybe that have come in since you left work. You kind of flag the ones for for importance and need action, and then you uh, then you leave you don't touch your email again until sometime after lunch and at least in the places where I've worked like in the military and government sector I've noticed and honestly even outside of that people are more likely to drop you an email during lunchtime anyways because a lot of times people assume and this is, this is generally speaking, people assume that you're out eating, so now's the perfect time to call or email you because they're not going to get an actual response and they can just leave you a message. So um, I know this is somewhat of a tactic that people use sometimes. And there's, you know, for good and for bad. But what you'll find is if you can finish a big project in the morning, whatever your main task is, maybe your first, maybe your two main tasks, if you finish those early in the morning, not being distracted by emails, you're going to have a sense of accomplishment for the day. You're going to feel far more effective. Well, you would not feel you're going, you will be far more effective in your job because you've already taken out the two most important priorities in the morning, but also when you, when you go to the emails, you can then go there without some looming project that you're, that you're uh, constantly trying to get back to and work on. Contrastingly, um, while you're working on your project, 
you won't be distracted by emails. You can stay in the zone for longer periods of time. And, you know, speaking of best-selling books and Robert Greene's, a couple of his best-selling books, but one in particular, Mastery, he basically talks about um, many people who, who lack mastery, they cannot go deep in any given topic or subject. They cannot focus long enough to really get into the topic. And when it comes to writing, specifically fiction, that is one of the key things. Come on, Ginger. It's one of the key things that uh, a, an author needs is the ability to stay focused, to go deep into their story, to go deep into the mindsets of the characters, to go deep within the scenes, to be able to smell, touch, breathe, taste, all of the things around the characters in order to bring it to life. And again, you can only do that if you're able to focus. <sighs> Same thing with uh, workouts. You know, if... if, if um, if you're going to work out, set certain times in the day to do that. And when it's workout time, don't allow anything else. I do see, uh, like I said, some people will like to listen to books on tape. Some people listen to music. And I even see some people taking on phone calls. And I would say as long as you're not doing any kind of exercise that requires a significant amount of focus because of safety reasons. For example, the squat bent, the squat or bench in particular, then I don't see any problem with that because now you're multitasking two things. But again, it depends on who you're you're taking phone calls with. I don't know how many people are cool with um with doing business calls while you're at the gym and they can hear all these crazy noises in the background. Some people may be cooler about it than others. Some vocations, it may be okay more than others. So it's kind of a personal discretion thing. But going to back to the original point, um, pick a time for your workouts, just like you would pick a time for your emails. And when you do that, you focus on your workout. That's the primary objective number one. And whether your workout is an hour and a half long or 30 minutes long, depending on what type of exercises you're doing, you want to make them as intense as you can so that when you're done with the workout, you can, again, feel a sense of accomplishment and you know that you left everything on the field. Um, and by doing so, you're going to get the biggest you're going to get the most effect from the workout. So the most effective workout. And you're also going to be able to go to your next tasks knowing that you've, you know, accomplished that. Another big area that people, especially CEOs do this is meetings or phone calls. So if you have a lot of phone calls you have to make in your business or you have a lot of meetings with people, Sometimes it's good to pick a certain time in the day or sometimes just one day in particular where you take care of all of those things. And even as a student, if you're going to college or something or a trade school or a tech school, it might behoove you to pick one or two days 
where you blaze through your homework and batch it. That way on the other days, you can kind of decompress, but also take care of other, other business and things of that nature. So, you know, those are just a few time management tips that I can think of. Come on, Ginger. Um, today, on a day where time management was key, I feel like Ginger and I have had a pretty good walk. And now, my plan is to go and actually get some writing done because I know that I'm going to be a lot more busier later on in the day and I may not be able to get that writing done. And since I have you guys on here and another part of my podcast I was thinking about doing is getting people ramped up and amped up for the novel that I'm going to put out. I'll tell you a little bit about it. I've got the first draft of it done, although it's so big and the story is so wide encompassing, thinking that drafts will actually turn into two or maybe even three novels that I'm going to release on Kindle and Amazon. And I think, um, so it's a, it's a, science fiction space opera and it's got a gritty female heroine and as a matter of fact I'm thinking one of the main things I've been considering is um, having two one is a kingly hero and one is an everyman hero because it's such a spanning epic type adventure and um, not to get too much into it but the story discusses different realms in space and, and uh, all, I, there's actually so much and probably take a whole nother podcast to even explain it but I, um, I have about 80,000 words done in it but a lot of the mini story line, lines aren't fleshed out I've already considered several other scenes that need to be added that will be big chunks big word counts and that's why I think it'll be at least two different novels. And if I can't get three out of it, what I may do is make the first section a novella so that people can be introduced to the characters, very low risk for the reader to, to invest in these characters, see if they like them. And then after that, it'll be a novel and then a novel. And I do have other storylines and story arcs that would come after this one. It's just that for this particular storyline or story arc, I can see it being about two and a half or three books. Other than that, though, uh, I have to take an exam. I'm taking a college class, financial accounting for business. It's probably my least favorite class I've ever taken in college and I'm not usually one to say stuff like that but I have I already have a degree and um, I've been doing college for probably a decade now or close to it and uh, so I've taken several courses had several teachers 
The teacher is actually quite good. I enjoy him. He's kind of a country country guy, country boy. Tells a lot of stories and anecdotes to help you remember the material. But accounting, I am learning, is just one of those topics that just does not click with me and is not something that I'm naturally inclined or interested in. So the way I'm looking at this class is I'm, I'm learning as much as I can about it so that I can have a competent conversation with my financial advisor and accountant and so that I'll know the general rules of accounting. But when it comes to the nuts and bolts, I just, it's a different, it's a different kind of skill set that I don't, I don't quite possess and I don't know if I really want to possess. And I think that's the, the last thing we'll kind of <clears throat> discuss or touch on, which is self-awareness. You should really know what your strengths and weaknesses are. And if you don't, take some time, take a day or two and write down the things that you like to do that you're good at, that you could do anytime, that could be used for business or to add value to other people's lives. And then think about your weaknesses. Maybe even think about some things that you do or that you think you want to do that you're not actually good at. Um, This is a very important thing for people who are entrepreneurs and for writers as well. And honestly, even in in the physical realm where you're thinking about what kind of workouts you can do, it's very important to know your strengths and know your weaknesses. If you know that you hate to do cardio, then pick a workout regimen that will include enough exercise that you don't need the cardio to maintain a good body, body weight, but um, you can still enjoy the exercise that you do. For me, that's usually powerlifting movements and functional movements, a little bit of CrossFit type things. But uh, just for an example, when I was in the military, they'd make us run anywhere from one and a half miles to three miles, sometimes five miles. And I just hated running at a slow pace. And at the time, I didn't really know it. I actually, for, for a while there, because of that, I even got up to 12 miles. And while there is some therapeutic things that I found while running... I realized that someone who's six foot four that has a lot of body weight uh, just naturally is not necessarily built for jogging long periods of time. It's like having a big dog, right? There's certain things that they're not made for. But on the flip side, um, I loved doing lifting exercises and have over the years developed programs and regimens that allow me to lose body fat without having to do cardio. And I find those much more appealing and easier for me to remain compliant to my regimen because I know it's something I'll do consistently. And that's why it's so important to be self-aware, to know what your strengths are, to know what your weaknesses are, to know whether you're an introvert or an an extrovert, or maybe you, you know that you're an omnivert, which is the ability to tap into both sides, right? But even omniverts have to know 
what situations they're they're able to tap into their inner introvert and what situations they're able to tap into their outer extrovert. And um, so, for example, if you're not very good at speaking or public speaking, then and you're an entrepreneur and you're trying to uh, pitch your ideas to, say, um, um, angel investors or or something like that. Maybe you need to partner with somebody who is good at speaking and a little bit more natural at it. And then that way you can just be the brains behind the scheme. There, There is something to be said about being the face of the company, especially if you're um, you know, in charge of a larger company. But <clears throat> if that just doesn't fit your skill set, you don't want you or your company to fail just because you're not... Um, leaning into your strengths. So again, you know, uh, or and and then also identifying your weaknesses. As a writer, I know one of my major weaknesses is grammar and spelling, which seems kind of contradictory for someone who writes to someone who likes to write to have two major flaws like that. But I'm. At, at the heart of things, I'm a storyteller. And storytellers don't really, cons- don't really focus as much on details like grammar and spelling in particular. Um, they focus more on the story arcs, the characters, and things like that. This is why it's important to have an editor who can go back, identify the areas where it doesn't make sense or where things are misspelled, and then help you bolster an area where you're weak and you could also say contrastingly maybe you're a writer that is very good with those kind of details and needs help with narrative and that's where you might want to get a ghostwriter or somebody to help you outline i know for um for memoirs that we do a lot of times the the author will know their story pretty well and know the key concepts that they want to portray in their book, but they're not quite as good of storytellers, so they need help, narratively speaking, conveying the messages that they need that they want. And that's where our company, Story Ninjas, kind of helps them, guide them in that process. So it, <clears throat> it depends on what you are and where you are in your journey. And then the, the last thing is when you become self-aware and you identify your strengths and your weaknesses, you want to lean into your strengths, focus on those. Those are going to get you the most momentum. And then either <clears throat> you want to, um, what's the word? I don't want to say contract out, but like you, you, for your weaknesses, you want to find people who will help you balance those out. But you also want to cultivate your weaknesses as well. For me, for me as a writer, like I said, grammar and spelling are two of my weaker areas. But over the years, I have dramatically increased my ability in both of those areas by a concerted and conscious effort to do so. That doesn't mean I spent all of my time focusing on grammar and spelling. But that means that when I receive edits from the editor, when I am 
punching out words and I see on the on the document that the the spell the grammar check or the word check has underlined a word I try to commit those to memory as best as I can and after doing it for so many years I was able to identify words that I just commonly misspelled and so now I don't get tripped up on things like there there and there and um and which and which and by and by all those kinds of things I I 95 percent of the time catch those now and know the difference and um of course there are always words that'll get you like bureaucracy (laughs) and silhouette because they have uh at least in my mind different you, you know spellings that are not so intuitive but you identify those weaknesses, you lean into them. Uh, I know one of the commanders when I was in the military, so this was a lieutenant colonel who eventually made colonel. Their weakness was they were an introvert and they hated public speaking. They were not much of a people person in the sense that they, they just felt uncomfortable in, in large gatherings. And yet in order to be a squadron commander, one has to give many public speeches and be very comfortable in front of large groups of people. And he was a very intelligent man, very strategic man. Those things came naturally to him. Those were his strengths, but his weaknesses were the public speaking. And so I remember <clears throat> he and I would have conversations just like this about focusing on strengths and weaknesses. And he, he, conveyed to me that it took him several years, maybe even a decade to kind of overcome his fear of speaking and get comfortable to sit in a room with a group of people and lead the meetings and stuff like that. But it was something he had to do in order to achieve his goal, which was squadron commander. And for those of you who are not in the military, Squadron commanders are normally in charge of in charge of uh, large organizations, hundreds of people. It's very similar to owning your own business, because these, like I said, these organizations are large. They usually have m- multiple, um, many branches or divisions or compartments that are broken up into different sections that do different things. You have like an admin section. You have a bit like a. It's almost like school. You have a PT section, you know, people making sure everybody's physically fit. You have an awards and decoration section. And in order to make sure all of those cogs in the wheel fit appropriately, um, he would have to have meetings with large groups of people. And um, by the time I had met him, I would have never have guessed that he ever had a problem. With public speaking but that was kind of the point to his story and the point that I'm trying to get across to you is if you have a weakness and you work at it you've identified it you you start identifying the specific areas where you're weak it will allow you to cultivate new skills that eventually will overcome and maybe you'll never be very strong but you can become competent and confident in your new skill sets that help you um, overcome that weakness. And that's the same thing holds true with my example about writing. 
part of my fear as a beginning writer and aspiring writer was I knew that I had the uh, the spelling issues and grammar issues and people would make fun of me quite a bit for it. And because of that, I had a bit of a chip on my shoulder and I doubted myself. But what I've come to realize is that um, while readers still desire quality, and of course you, you can um, get very far in this world with an editor, um, no story is going to be perfect. Typos are, all, are, are in all kinds of different books, and best sellers aren't necessarily best spellers. So that's a, that's a key critical component. You don't want to major in the minors. And that's something that a lot of people do. It is far better to be a great storyteller than it is to be a great grammarian. Because at the end of the day, for those people who want to write, um, f- for large audiences, for fiction or even nonfiction, it's better to be a great storyteller than a great grammarian. The same holds true for working out, for business. I mean, any... Any topic or subject or vocation that you're considering, any hobby, they all boil down to that. Don't major in the minors. Focus on your strengths. Build on your weaknesses. Find other people to help you balance out your weaknesses. And the key thing is being self-aware. If you don't know what those are, that should be your mission for today. Identify what are your weaknesses, what are your strengths, and how can you... Use your strengths better to build momentum and who are the people you can reach out to to help you overcome your weaknesses. And then I know I started this whole conversation with time management. Are there areas in your daily life or your weekly life where you could maybe uh, use one of the 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 approaches that we discussed today, particularly batching. Um, a lot of people have issues with emails and stuff. Is there some day of the week where you could do meetings or phone calls or even if maybe it's not even business, maybe you're, maybe it's just family, you know, for a while there, I would get super stressed about, um, calling family because they, you know, it's not that you don't want to hear from them or talk to them, but the life just gets in the way and you get busy. So um, now what I try to do is whenever I'm on a long drive, either going to pick up my kids or going to and from somewhere, I'll try to call at least one or two family members. That way I can catch up with them and I don't get anxiety about not having talked to them. But it could be business. It could be any number of things, but think about in your daily life, in your weekly life, are there things that you could batch? Are there things you could do more effectively so that you can focus on specific things at specific times and give them the attention that they need? All right, hopefully this has been helpful, and I'm going to go right now, and I hope Everybody has a great day. Take it easy.
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, hope you enjoyed that episode. Hope it was filled with lots of good information that will allow you to maximize your time so you can be more productive, more efficient, and again, most importantly, more effective in your day-to-day operations. And um, aside from that, if you guys liked this episode, go ahead and leave us a review on whatever podcast platform that you're listening to us on. If you have any questions, you can go ahead and send them in. Depending on the podcast platform, you can either type them or you can even record them in. And we'll try to get back to you and give you answers to your questions. Also, you can check us out on the various social media platforms. We're at Story Ninjas on like Instagram and most of the other places. I am at Joshmas Prime, J-O-S-H-U-M-U-S-P-R-I-M-E. And I am also on all the social media platforms. If you'd like to check out Story Ninjas and our products and our services, you can check us out at www.story-ninjas.com. And if you know somebody that maybe this will help them become more productive, more efficient, more effective, then please feel free to share this and um, spread the good word. And until next time, you guys, take it easy.